the pandemic affected nearly every organizational system around the globe, and the 1.3 million nonprofits in the United States were no exception. Following our 2020 white paper, Too Good to Fail, we revisit these challenges and opportunities in a new follow-up report, which includes interviews with executives and communicators from nonprofit organizations across the U.S. In this special episode, we welcome Red Havas's Executive Vice President, Melanie Klausner, and Associate Vice President, Joseph Jamera, to discuss how nonprofits have adapted in recent months to meet the moment. Together with our moderator and host, Linda Descano, the team will discuss the three Ps, the pandemic, polarizing politics, and protests around social justice, and how they affected nonprofit organizations. The group will review why partnerships between nonprofits and grassroots organizations were essential in the last 18 months. They'll also discuss how nonprofits reimagined their operating models to survive and thrive amidst the pandemic. So now, without further delay, I turn it over to Linda to get our discussion underway. COVID-19 disrupted the expected response and mission of nearly every organizational system around the globe. The nonprofit space too was rocked to the core by this tectonic shift, which we explored last year in our June 2020 white paper titled Too Good to Fail. For that original report, we focused on the immediate shifts nonprofits needed to make to thrive in these new circumstances, including throwing away any previous blueprints, planning for both the long-term and the short-term, harnessing the power of content, and expecting a virtual future, one that entwines the physical with the virtual. Last week, we issued a follow-up report that took a fresh look at the ongoing challenges and opportunities that the past 18 months have brought to nonprofits. And I should note that we will have links to both reports in our show notes. On this special episode, joining me are two of the co-authors of these reports, Melanie Klausner and Joseph Jamara. Melanie and Joe, welcome to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast in November. We are thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Linda, for having us. We appreciate it and are looking forward to the conversation. Yes, thank you, Linda. We really appreciate it. Well, we I'm so excited to have this topic. You you both know that I'm passionate about the world of nonprofits. So really looking forward to hearing more about what you've learned. So I want to start with something we've been talking a lot about in Red Havas, the three Ps, meaning the pandemic, polarizing presidential politics of the past year, and protests around social justice. They have profoundly changed expectations around corporate purpose and put more pressure on brands and organizations to move beyond pledges to showing tangible progress on the pledges that they've made, whether they're around diversity, equity, and inclusion, or to climate and everything in between. Now, the nonprofit sector by definition is purpose-driven. So Melanie, let me start with you. What impact has the three Ps had on the not-for-profit sector or, or haven't they? Yeah, I mean, Linda, like you said, I mean, it's certainly been a really interesting year and, and in particular for nonprofits. Um, you know, the three Ps, as you said, have really actually had a profound effect on them. And I think, you know, we've seen and worked with a number of nonprofits throughout this year and also spoken to a number of nonprofits 
about, you know, their thoughts about this. And in some cases, you know, they're going back and rethinking their mission. They're rethinking their values. They're reevaluating the organizations from the inside out. And the last 18 months, they've really experienced this sort of overall reckoning. I mean, I think we've all sort of felt that that self-reflection as individuals, organizations, and as a collective. But these organizations, you know, really have felt that even more so. And, you know, several of the organizations we spoke to have already had been on a journey. They've started, you know, thinking about inclusivity and diversity. And, you know, the past year, the social injustice and conversations that have happened year plus have really shaken them and made them think a little bit more about this and, and really propelled them in the past year to do even more work and be go even further with their missions. Um, so they're not only advancing their missions, but also thinking about the, how they exhibit the core values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you know, the truly smart nonprofits that we've seen have created the space to have these real conversations. They've opened themselves up, asked their stakeholders, their employees, their volunteers, their donors, and really having conversations with the tough questions, asking themselves the tough questions. And it's really resulted in benefits across the board for these organizations, you know, from the services that they're offering, the growth potential, and the public perception of a number of the organizations. Um, you know, we know from a number of sources, various data sources, that there's an increase in access to diversity and equity and inclusion when you include diverse voices and perspectives and opinions within the organization, it always is going to lead to better outcomes and more representative programming. And these organizations that have really rethought themselves and their missions are able to better serve the communities that they're working in much more. Uh, you know, we've, you know, like corporations, uh, it's no longer enough just to rely on the fact that your organization is doing good and is purpose-driven, but really you need to be actionable and taking action, denouncing racism, intolerance and exclusion, and really holding yourself accountable to those actions that you're taking. And then, you know, through this whole process, we spoke to three organizations who shared some of the steps that they've taken to reshape their organization. And it's really been insightful and interesting to see the way that they've approached it. Uh, you know, as I said, they've kind of already been on a journey and taken some action, but one of the organizations, Step Up, had created this, you know, they've had this internal reckoning several years ago and was really primed for when the call of social justice and the death of George Floyd created this tipping point, they really were ready and primed for this conversation. And so they reevaluated themselves taking this asset-based versus deficit-based approach to their communication and created this internal guide called Our Words Matter. And then they published that for other organizations to use. So they didn't want to keep it to themselves. They really wanted to share that knowledge and the work that they had been putting in and create this guide for other organizations to kind of design their own communications by. And you know, they also had this really courageous and interesting conversation about the importance of brands taking a stand and especially for nonprofits when you focus on a specific entity or you're focused on a specific area you know you may think that you can't talk about other topics that are outside of their scope of service 
And so what Step Up did is, you know, they really evaluated that as an organization and created a platform for themselves to be able to take on different topics that they really felt passionate about, that they also realized were connected and had relevance to what the brand stood for and the meaning and value behind the mission of the brand. And so it was really wonderful for them to see and create this public platform and a place that they can talk more broadly about other impactful and important conversations and topics and expand and lend their thinking and expertise to these conversations. And the other two organizations actually happen to both be food banks, uh, but Feeding America and the Greater Boston Food Bank both really also did a lot of work. They looked at their boards, they diversified their employees over the past year and added some really great initiatives. So Feeding America added four ex officio board member positions to their board um, so that they could create better diversity and community perspectives in their decision-making process, which was so smart and so insightful. And then the Greater Boston Food Bank has been extremely generous with their benefits. But what they realized this past year when they looked at it is that they weren't equitable. And so they reevaluated tuition reimbursement, student re debt repayment, and thought about, okay, if we're going to take these assets and, and make these benefits available, we want to make sure that their people can take advantage of those things. So they created what's called a benefits wallet. So each employee now gets $3,000 to fund necessities. So if you didn't go to college or you didn't aren't currently a student, you can access these funds for things like childcare and other sort of necessities that you need and everybody has access. So it really created this wonderful shift in making sure that the benefits were accessible to the entire organization. I love that. And I think you highlighted an important thing, you know, equity, right, and justice and equality are all different things. And to really look across like all your employee base and how do you um, bring greater equity and give, give employees more choice so they all really can access benefits versus just those that are parents or just those that fit into this one bucket, but you're really creating more inclusivity from every aspect. Yeah, absolutely. It just all the organizations, all three of them specifically, it just took and created such a significant shift and impact in the way that they're able to support and execute their organization. So it was really incredible to see. And like many companies too, it seems like they're looking at it internally and the benefits and services for employees, but then also how do you represent the communities that you serve and bring that perspective and really reflect the beneficiaries of the support just as companies are trying to diversify to mirror their consumers. Yeah, absolutely, Linda. Yeah, and Melanie, what, what I wanted to add is, um, I think you make really interesting and strong cases overall in that the organizations that you were talking about are driving meaningful action for their organization, that also makes sense to the community. So they're just not talking about it, they're actioning against it and they're making sure that it makes sense for what they're doing. So I think that's that's a great point. And we hear it in the media when we do pitch out DEI stories, you know, what's the action? Are they making a difference? Are they actually moving forward in what they said they're going to do? So it's no you can no longer have empty ambitions, you need to actually have meaningful action that makes sense to your organization. Absolutely, Joe. Great, great point. So Joe, let's build on one of the other um, areas that we looked at, which is the pressure that 
many grassroots organizations have faced over the past 18 months as they began to like get their bearings and what this shifting environment and new normal might look like. Um, would you sort of top line some of the key takeaways from, from that aspect of our research? Absolutely. So I think we can all agree with the pandemic, small and local nonprofits are more highly valued than ever. They are the ones on the front lines. They're helping ensure communities get access to food, childcare assistance, and other basic needs. And even as these grassroots organizations carry out the essential work, they are under immense pressure, both financially and technology. Digital transformation has been exponential um, over the past 18 months. And it's a struggle for some grassroots organizations to get out their message and stay up to date with the digital transformation that is happening. Uh, in fact, some of the information that we had is that, you know, a third of nonprofits actually increased funding from foundations during the pandemic, which is great for nonprofits. However, grassroots organizations, on the other hand, were more likely to lose funding in the last year. And, you know, that's just a shame because grassroots organizations had to let go staff while they are on the front lines. Um, you know, and most of their funding that they do receive is restricted to donor projects, which then comes back to the digital transformation and the communications. A lot more people um, with the pandemic, the word of mouth aspect was lost. It was difficult to go door to door or let people know or speak within the community. And because of that, they were unable to continue to outline the needs for the shift in the funding that they were receiving. So, you know, it's a extremely big impact to grassroots organizations that are doing the work on a daily basis. And furthermore, uh, larger non nonprofits can help this. And this is where we spoke to a nonprofit, Chicago Beyond. They're an impact investor nonprofit that builds an equitable future for Chicago youth. And, you know, Chicago Beyond even knew that like, look, we're, we are in a privileged position in which we have a press officer. We have somebody who is savvy on the digital team that can help get out what we're doing to the masses. But grassroots organizations sometimes don't have the capacity for a press officer or the digital savvy to put on, let's say, an online gala fundraising event, which many had to shift to in order to get fundraising for them. So with all of that said, their voices are getting lost. And, you know, organizations such as uh, Chicago Beyond are looking at ways where they can collaborate with uh, the grassroots organizations in order to help raise their voices in order to have a significant impact within the community. So um, overall, digital transformation, the loss of the door-to-door -door communications that is happening, that should happen with the grassroots organizations isn't happening. So they had to shift and reprioritize and in doing so have kind of lost a little bit of steam. And we need these grassroots organizations in order to help us continue to move forward. So it behooves us to kind of work together and figure out how can we elevate their voices. I really appreciate you bringing up the idea of, of partnership because that is also something that we explored. And I mean, we saw that, you know, in other sectors, right? The sheer scale and impact of COVID-19 really mobilized action, you know, across governments came together, competitors in the same industry came together, the public, private and nonprofit sectors all came together. So Melanie, maybe you can build on what Joe talked about and tell us a couple of other ways that partnerships between and among nonprofits played out during the, the 
past 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of organizations felt like the pandemic economic downturn was going to dry up the donations and it sort of led to a lot of fear within those nonprofits. And so they kind of set aside the competition and leaned on each other to figure out how do they sort of think about it as all rising tides lift boats and partner together. And so, you know, we saw Generational Citizen partnering with other civic and education organizations in that sector. Um, Team Rubicon, who is somebody, an organization that we work with, a nonprofit that we have worked with, you know, led a number of opportunities and partnerships. So one partnership that they did was, you know, with all of the other veteran-led organizations. So they partnered with six other organizations to create this groundswell of veteran services to help make sure that they were all getting vaccinated. You know, we saw people that veterans were challenged and not wanting to get vaccinated. And so the organizations that were leading veteran services and leading with veteran volunteers decided it was important for them to get ahead of the conversation and work together and show the reasons why it's so important for everybody to get vaccinated, but particularly the people that have promised to serve and protect this country. So it was great to see, you know, Team Rubicon sort of leading that charge. And then as an organization that has so many veterans uh, that are their volunteers, that's primarily their, their volunteer base is veterans. When companies and other organizations were losing volunteers like Feeding America, Team Rubicon was able to step in and send their volunteers to help do donation drives and take on some of the roles that you know typically might have been done by elder community members that were scared of COVID, that didn't want to come out and be among each other and other populations. And so Team Rubicon loaned out their veteran volunteers to create an impact for that organization and a number of other organizations as well, just making sure that they had the resources to continue to do the service that they normally do for their missions. Um, and so it was just beautiful to sort of see this collaboration and mind share and, you know, literal volunteer body share happening across the industry and across nonprofit organizations. Both of you touched on on two topics that I, I want to come together because Melanie, you talked about the impact of COVID on just the availability of resources for some nonprofits to deliver. And Joe, you talked about the very sudden and significant impact that COVID had in some cases on revenues and the financial bottom line. I mean, food banks were inundated, right, with financial and in-kind donations. And, and you know, I, I was talking to Phil Abundance, which is a food bank in the Philadelphia area, and, and they didn't usually distribute fresh food. And so it suddenly had to come up with a new distribution vehicle. Other nonprofits that maybe did support it, mentoring in schools, all of a sudden had to rethink their operating model. So maybe, like Joe, you could help us, you know, understand some of the the impacts that the the pandemic have had on just operating model and 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 how do you like navigate and manage through when there are so many different aspect of the quote unquote, the services and, and products and services that a nonprofit delivers are all of a sudden, everything is disrupted at one time with, in some cases, a, 
significant financial impact, either positive or negative to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would say had defined the nonprofit sector over the past 18 months is agility and resilience. And with agility, as you mentioned, many nonprofits had to reassess their strategy and had to be agile and and understand what they're going to do now because they don't have the same lanes of fundraising that they have. The needs for their community are completely different. So what are they going to do? And in terms of resilience, you just have to continue to push through the process and understand, not get overwhelmed with everything that's going on and understand what impact you can make based on the network that is available to you. I know uh, one organization that we spoke with uh, that addresses youth needs within uh, uh, cities looked at its network and said, look, there is a need that we need to serve on the food area. We need to start serving food to our communities, but we don't have the ability to go into these communities and make sure that we're delivering them. However, when we look at our network, we are connected to other grassroots organizations that can help us achieve that. We know a supplier that could help us get the food. We know a mover that could help us get the food from the supplier into the community, and this grassroots organization can actually deliver it. So they looked at it from a holistic point of view and said, okay, this is what we could do for now, and we needed to change our strategy, and it will continuously shift as we progress. However, we will understand this and we will stay agile and make sure that we are continuously going back and understanding what are the needs of the community within the network that we are serving and how we can support that. So with that said, um, you know, agility has been one of the most significant contributors to nonprofits ongoing resilience. And uh, there was a a survey where I believe 71% of respondents said that uh, they're adapting their organizational strategies to include new programs uh, or services. Now, just because they're adapting their organizational strategies for now, doesn't mean that it's actually going to lead into a program that they have for the future. But a lot of nonprofits are understanding what are the needs for now, and is it something that we could actually offer at a future date and point? Um, but right now, they're shifting priorities, understanding exactly what's going on, uh, and, and it's difficult. I think for larger nonprofits, uh, it's a little bit easier for them to stay a little bit nimble because they have more resources. And as I mentioned before, with grassroots organizations, it's a little harder. So it goes back to that idea of partnership in order to stay agile and resilient. Because if you don't have a network that can help you do that, it's going to be really difficult to serve the communities you need while still getting fundraising. Such great points. Melanie, did you want to build on anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it kind of goes back to the very beginning of our conversation where, you know, organizations are reevaluating and have, you know, looked inside to see, are they meeting the needs of the people that they serve? They've, you know, reassessed their mission and their values, extending, you know, the communities and the things and programs that they're offering, as Joe said, you know, one organization we didn't talk to, you know, Broadway Cares, Broadway was dark for a year and all of those artists, the dancers, the musicians, the performers needed funding because they didn't have jobs. And so the organization took to the internet and you know, you've had live performances that people could donate to and see and experience. They just had to make Broadway accessible to people in a very different way. And so you're, you know, we did see a lot of that and a lot of ways that organizations are looking at their funding 
going back to donors who maybe had buckets of funding to go towards a performance that wasn't going to be happening for the long term. So how do we sort of also shift the funds that we have in a way that still delivers on the donation promise, but also continue to deliver services to the people that need them the most? Melanie, I think you make, you make a really good point and something that I want to come back to uh, in that all these changes and all the modifications that they're making, they're leaving the organizations that are standing stronger and more resilient. Now they're more innovative than ever before. They understand what it is to go through a crisis and they understand how they need to shift their priorities at, at, at a drop of a dime. Uh, whereas before their planning, you know, 2022, 2023, this is what we're going to do. And they realize that, you know, maybe we should have some short-term plans in place. While we still have a long-term vision, we're going to adapt as we move forward as well so that we stay innovative and stay at the forefront of the conversation so that we continue to evolve and grow uh, our nonprofit. So as we bring this episode to a close, I'm hearing a lot about agility and resilience and partnership. So maybe we could close by you know, each of you offering one piece of advice, one lesson from the past 18 months that you would share with a brand manager. And, you know, whether it's for the nonprofit um, brand manager in particular, or just for anyone working in brand management and communications that's listening today on what would be that piece of advice to share about managing their communications, being more effective as we still navigate a very fluid environment in 2022. Joe, can I start with you? Absolutely. I would say that for a brand manager, it is okay to be overwhelmed with everything that is going on. It's okay. You got to embrace that, but don't be paralyzed by it. Remember, you're in the position you are because you know what the mission is. You know the organization, you know the community. So take a step back and look at it holistically. There is a solution to everything that is out there. It's just a matter of time until we find what that solution is. And in doing so, as long as you're tying whatever the solution is to your mission, it is most likely going to work. And, and it will continue to be uh, vital for your organization to grow and succeed. So I love that. Stay very mission-driven, right? And constantly look, is this helping you advance your mission and connect with, with your community? Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Melanie, then we're going to turn to you for the closing word. Okay. You know, I think really in the last year, this is probably for every brand to think, you know, best laid plans and the things that you think you can plan for, you always have to expect the unexpected and try as best you can to plan for the unexpected. So when a brand manager is you know, thinking about whatever event may be coming up or product launch that may be coming up, you know, I think we've all realized that we need to be a little bit more nimble in the way that we approach things. We need to make sure that we have alternative solutions and have thought through best and worst case scenarios and really be proactive in controlling what you can control and navigating the unknown. I love it. Uh, thank you both so much. There is so much to unpack and I know we can continue talking for hours on this. We so appreciate your time. 
Um, thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. As we said, we will have links to the two white papers and to some of the stories that we've shared today in the show notes. And we hope you will continue to tune in for our December episode, which will focus on our second annual word of the year. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for joining the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas. Please make sure to subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to rate and review today's show. We'd love to hear from you.